really bold person and and I've never been just super like oh really modest and like don't don't say that s word or you know uh, y'all know why I'm talking about the s word <laughs> anyway I've never been and so I was like really out there last Sunday night and I was really bold and I was really getting with it and I wasn't embarrassed a bit till two hours after the service was over and the anointing started to lift and I'm like oh my lord I'm so embarrassed what did I say hallelujah but anyway thank God for the anointing that's what it's for it's to take us places we couldn't go on our own amen hallelujah now some of you will go buy that tape hallelujah be like me pastor came home from a men's advance and he brought home a set of tapes that said for men only boy I couldn't wait to get those in the tape player <laughs> hallelujah I tell you you know it was just bait they labeled them that it's bait when y'all bring home a tape like that I tell you I, you would have had to lock me in a closet to keep me from listening to that hallelujah in fact they used to go to men's advances once a year in west texas when we lived there they had one up in the mountains and i think three or four churches would go together ours was one of them and i know there was this one pastor pastor swan it was like give us as soon as my pastor got on like give me david swan's take because you know it was going to be it, it was one of those that would self-destruct it was so hot you know hallelujah and we just couldn't wait to listen to it amen so praise god <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Proverbs, uh, no, excuse me, Romans chapter 13. I don't think, I think I have to get my Amplified Bible. Romans chapter 13, verse 2. Hallelujah. We've been talking about divine order. And it says, uh, hallelujah. Thereby, therefore, he who resists and sets himself up against the authorities resists what God has appointed and arranged in divine order. And those who resist will bring down judgment upon themselves, receiving the penalty due them. Well, now this is talking about divine order and authority in government. But we could take this truth and apply it in several areas because in government is not the only area where God has set up an, a divine order, where he's appointed and arranged things that they would work in a certain way. He set divine order in the home, hadn't he? He set up a divine order in the home. And he says those who resist it bring down a judgment upon themselves. Now that doesn't mean that God judges you. Oh, you're not in divine order. I'm going to judge you. But how many of you know the curse is out there? God doesn't have to curse anybody. It's already in the earth. It's already in the earth. It's been there since Adam. And all you have to do is step out of divine order and you'll find it. You'll find the curse. You know what I'm saying? And so we are to keep ourselves in a certain order. We're to keep ourselves in divine order. We talked about a lot of things last week. We talked about dating and staying in divine order when you're dating. We talked about marriage and uh, the responsibilities of a husband, the responsibilities of a wife in marriage. I'm, I mean, it wasn't a thorough teaching, and we just did it in one night, you know. I mean, we could go on and on and on about marriage. We could go on and on and on about the home and about divine order. But staying in divine order. And you know that just to boil it all down, it's really pretty simple. When you get ready to make a decision, when you get ready to do something, ask yourself, is this in divine order? If it's not, don't do it. You know, we can get out of order and we're going to bring uh, not only a lot of stress to ourselves. When women get out of order in the home, begin to carry responsibility that God never designed them to carry, one of the things they encounter is stress. A lot of stress. Women are stressed out in our society. Well, men are too, but I believe maybe women 
Um, or even maybe more so than men. Who knows to be the judge of that. But we get stressed. You know, even when we take on the burdens of other people that we're not supposed to take on. It's called false responsibility. We take responsibility for something that God never called us to be responsible for. You know, we can get out of divine order and we're going to encounter stress. I know as pastor's wife, I have to not take on responsibility God didn't call me to have. That's sometimes hard to do. I went to a lady, a oh, pastor's wife's retreat one time, and uh, the lady, the I think it was Rachel Birchfield, actually, she got up and said, uh, you pastor's wives need to quit trying to control the sound from the front row. Oh, that was me. I mean, it was like she took a brick and hit me in the front of the head. Now, this has been many years ago. I mean, because that was me. I mean, I'd be on the front row, and, and of course, you've got to understand, Pastor talked about it this morning. We had, we, we had a deaf sound man at one time. <laughs> literally. Literally, we had a deaf sound man. And this, this musical quartet group of a bunch of black guys came to our church one time. And you know, you know, black people are just good musicians, and their music—they, they understand it far. <laughs> they could not believe we had a deaf sound man. I mean, he was deaf in one ear. He was completely deaf in one ear, and couldn't—I don't think he heard well out of the other one. Had tubes in the other ear. <laughs> Hallelujah! And so we had—we were boy, thank God for Barry. We had continually not Eric. You're doing a good job too, but we had continual sound problems. And so here I am on the front row, stressed out all the time, trying to control the sound from the front row, which is impossible to do anyway. And so take a responsibility on myself that God never gave me. Now there's a lot of ways to do that besides the sound. Amen. I think in the church most of the time. Uh, uh, well, never mind. I won't go there. <laughs> I won't meddle tonight. How about y'all? Y'all agree with that? So, uh, staying in divine order, though, staying in, uh, staying where we're supposed to be in the flow of God. Amen. You know, um, just taking care of old number, uh, old, taking care of ourselves, not getting into other people's business and trying to take care of their business. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Um, when things are in divine order, they're anointed and blessed. When the family is in divine order, when the husband is being the head of the house, and he's praying, and he's now he's taking responsibility for the finances. That doesn't mean that he can't have her write out the checks. But I want to tell you something. When the husband doesn't even know what's going in the phone in the finances, he doesn't know the bills she's paying, he don't know the bills they owe, that's out of divine order. He should not all, he should be familiar. He should know what's going on. There should, they should be making those decisions together. They should both be givers, not one of them. It's wrong for when the husband controls the money and she has no money. She has to, it is, it is humiliating and out of order for the wife to have to go and ask him for $10 to go and buy something, a, a tube of mascara or something. That's out of order. That's out of divine order. God won't bless that house. Amen. But then it's also out of order for her to carry the purse strings and he don't have any cash. He don't have any money. He couldn't buy anybody's lunch. He doesn't have, he doesn't have any way to operate. That's out of divine order. God's not going to bless that. You've got to find a system. And every family has a different system. You know, uh, in some families, the husband could put, he can't add one and one. And so, and figure out that it's two. So it'd be better if she balanced the checkbook. Wouldn't it? But there ought to be a system there, and there ought to be some way where you work out where he's informed, where she's informed, and you have a system. Every family has a system. And, and you've got to find a system, but it's got to be a godly system within the parameters 
of, of, of divine. It's got to be within God's parameters. And God said that the husband is the head of the wife. So it's wrong. It's out of divine order when the wife goes off and spends money without consulting the husband. You know, and I, now she ought to be able to buy. There ought to be kind of an understood. Pastor and I kind of have, I have liberty when I go to the store. I don't have to call him on my cell phone if I want to buy a dress. You know, I have liberty. I can spend. But, you know, now again, if I was going to spend, if I decided, I think I'll buy me a new washing machine. Well, I wouldn't just call, go charge it or write a check for a new washing machine. I'd call and, and we'd discuss it. And we'd, there's a divine order there. Amen. And we'd be in agreement over it. And it's the same with giving. You know, there could be a, there could, there, but there ought to be liberty you, on both parts to give. Like Pastor said this morning, the Lord ought to be able to speak to the man and say, give. And the Lord ought to be able to speak to the woman and say, give. There's been times that pastor came in. He said, I think we're supposed to give Kevin a hundred dollars. <laughs> and I, and, and you know, and I'd say, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. I bear witness, you know, but then there's been many times when I came in and said, you know, I believe we're supposed to give, uh, Karen $500. You were before that? No, Kevin says, no, no, we'll get competition going here. no. No, but there's been times that God spoke to me to give, and I'd go and I'd say, well, I think we're supposed to give, and he'd say, I bear witness to that. It's so important to your faith, because, see, both of you need to be releasing faith in the giving. Both of you need to be releasing faith in the harvest. And then, you know, if both of you don't bear witness to it, well, and, 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 and you know, if then, then there's a problem, and you need to resolve the problem. It might be that the wife is afraid. Well, how many of you know fear's not going to get you blessed? You're going to have to change something. Did you know, though, husbands, her problems are your problems? Did you know if she has PMS, you've got it? And it's just as much your responsibility to, responsibility to believe her out of it. Some of you just want to disappear, you know, for about five days every month and just kind of, really? Amen? You just want to disappear and like, oh, call me when this is all over. Huh? Oh, Jesus, help me. It's true. It's true. But it's your responsibility. Well, when are we going to teach this if we don't teach it on Sunday night? Hallelujah. Just thank God I'm not teaching it on Sunday morning. Okay? Hallelujah. But, you know, it's your responsibility. The Bible talks about that. And we'll look at it here in a minute. Amen? So there's divine order. God is not in confusion. There's, if there's confusion in your home, they're out of divine order. If every morning is just a, a rat race and you're just, you know, and it's just, and you're just slapping clothes on kids and stuffing food in their mouth as you walk out the door, and it's just chaos. I mean, you know, I don't know about this. I see it in the movies. But, you know, and your kids are having, y'all are running to school and, and, you know, I can just feature people doing this. You know, there's something out of divine order about that. There's something wrong. There's a way to get in divine order where everything runs smooth in your house. Now, you might have a glitch every once in a while, but if you have chaos every day, you know, if the laundry room is full of, is stacked up with laundry and there's clothes on the couch and there's clothes hanging on every doorknob, something's out of divine order in your house. Somebody's not doing their job and somebody's not in faith. There is an anointing to, to parent. There's an anointing to be a wife. There's an anointing to be the keeper of the home. You've got to tap into the anointing. There's an anointing to be the father and to provide, and you tap into the anointing. Hallelujah. You know, there's a divine order. The wife is to be the keeper of the home, and she's ultimately responsible. And we talked about last month, about last week, about marrying right. It's so important to marry right. Because if you marry right, he'll treat you right. 
And if you, if you marry right, she'll treat you right. And when you get treated wrong, you married wrong. Hallelujah. I treat pastor so good. I just treat him so good. Hallelujah. I'm just trying to think up ways to bless him. But you know what? He treats me so good. He treats me like a queen. You know, he, he fixes me coffee in the every morning. Did you know it's in the Bible? Many times the word appears in the Bible. Hebrews. I told you. Hebrews. It's in the Bible. He's supposed to brew the coffee. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And he, boy, he brings coffee. This morning I was still just trying to wake up, and I laid there, and I laid there, and I laid there. And I said, aren't I going to get some coffee? And he said, I sat it by your bed when I walked in the room. I hadn't even waked up enough to see it was laying there. It was sitting there right by my bed getting cold, and I wasn't even awake enough to know it. But he treats me good. I mean, he, he, he wants to bless me. Hallelujah. You know, there's just something when both of you are blessing, it'll just flow. And it, you know, the wives, if you'll bless him and bless him and just pour it on, and you know what, you'll have him eating out of your hand. I tell Pastor, and the same thing, if you'll bless her and you'll pour it on and you'll, you know, you'll take her to the mall and buy her things. And, and uh, uh, Pastor Buzzy does that. He buys, Miss treats her real good, Miss Brenda. And Pastor treats me good and he's always, you know, thinking about me and wanting to buy me stuff. And don't you need some new clothes? That's just a nice thing for a man to say, a husband to say, don't you need some new clothes, honey? Oh, hallelujah, because all women always don't think they have anything to wear. No matter what, they, they can have a closet full and they don't have anything to wear. And uh, that's, just, that's just women. Anyway, he just treats me so good and everything. And I tell him, I say, I adore the ground you walk on. I do. I tell him that all the time. I just adore the ground you walk on. And I do. I just adore him. I just think he's awesome. I, hallelujah. I got the right one. I got the right one. And you know, he got the right one too. And it was all because of Grandmother Newcomb. Now that's my great-grandmother, not my grandmother. My great-grandmother who was Pentecostal. And we, all the whole family made fun of her. But she prayed in tongues. And she prayed in tongues. And she prayed out my life. Hallelujah. And so God had to move his family uh, from from the Air Force to, to Seagraves and and put him there just at the right time. If they had waited till um, he graduated from high school, which they could have easily because his dad didn't get out of retire from the Air Force till his end of his senior year, I wouldn't have got him. But God ordered our steps and he put us together and hallelujah, and, and it flows. So find the right one. It's so important. Amen. And you'll be blessed and your life will be blessed. And glory to God. And you'll have things to overcome, but you'll overcome them together. Amen. Amen. Oh, I just see so many people that get out of divine order these days. Oh, I tell you, you just can, you know, people can mess their lives up. Did you know they can mess their lives up? Mm. Well, hallelujah. Well, while divine order, the definition, it's the plan of God that is right. Divine order is the plan of God that is right. Now, we can do a lot to teach our kids about the plan of God. Teaching them, you know, not to be unequally yoked, not to date people uh, that um, 
are not of like precious faith and praying people out of their lives. I know Karen told us today how her mother, you know her mother is outspoken and don't mince words and don't say it nice. She'd say, that's not, that one's not right and I'm getting rid of him. And she'd go to prayer and she'd say, and Karen would say, the next day, that guy disappeared. He would be like, like he fell off the face of the earth. He's just like gone. Hallelujah. And uh, huh? she's the Terminator. <laughs> One time Eric told me, you know, he said, you've got the standard set so high that even Jesus couldn't find somebody, you know, that would please you, you know. But that's really not, really not true. But it's just got to be the right one. Amen. Hallelujah. It's so important. It's so important. Hallelujah. We just got a, a room full of right marriages here tonight. Hallelujah. You can just see it all over y'all's faces that I got the right one. And some of you don't have the one yet, but you're in faith about the right one. And maybe you're and you're not going to settle for anything less. Amen. If it's not quiet, it's not right. If it's not quiet, it's not right. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, hallelujah. So it's important that we marry right, isn't it? Thank you, Jesus. Well, where do we go from here? 2 Corinthians 6.14. We'll just, I don't know. I had four ways to go tonight. So I've been having to try to follow the Holy Ghost. 2 Corinthians 6.14. Uh, and these are... These are things that we can teach our children. We must teach our children. We don't have a choice. Uh, and we, like Pastor talked about, I don't know when it was, but recently, the last couple of services, where he said when our children are concerned, we make the way narrow. We keep, we keep it real narrowed down for them. Where they, in other words, we're strict. If you want to put that in, 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 in terms that you can understand, we, 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 we make, we're strict on our children. Now that don't mean that we don't love them, and we give we give plenty of love, and we give plenty and we bless. Man, we bless. And the problem sometimes that parents run into is when they're strict and they don't and they don't give plenty of love and plenty of blessing. And if you'll give plenty of love and plenty of blessing, but then you'll make their way narrow. In other words, you don't give them a lot of choices. And you, you, you very determinedly give them the choices that they do have. I see parents giving their kids choices that they shouldn't even give them. I see parents asking two-year-olds, what would you want to eat at the restaurant? Order the kid what you want him to eat. Amen? Well, it's not hard with Carter. He just likes one. He wants chicken fries and cold Coke. That's all that he ever wants. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you know, there's choices that two-year-olds shouldn't have to make. They are not able to rationalize. They're not able to decide on those things. And we should make the choices for them. And we should guard them against having make choices that they're not ready to handle, that they're not ready to make. And that co continues on through, through elementary school and through junior high. And we have to sometimes make choices for them that maybe they don't understand about playing with certain kids and about going to certain people's houses and, and different things like that. I had to make choices uh, for my children. There were places I didn't want them to go. There were people I didn't want them to spend the night with. And so, you know, um, I'm not sorry that I did it. I'm, I, you know, some people are just like wide open. I notice the people that are wide open, their children don't turn out very well. Their children have lots of problems. Their children get involved with people that they shouldn't be involved with. They have relationships 
relationships before they ought to be having relationships. They get married to people they shouldn't get married to. Then they end up divorced. And then, you know, there's there's grandkids to support and you've got a single mom trying to support three kids and you got uh and then you got grandparents that are trying to help. See, all those problems come from not staying in divine order and not making our not causing our kids to stay in divine order, not letting them have choices before they should be having choices. You know, 14-year-old girls dating, that's out of divine order, family. That's completely out of divine order. Letting children watch movies they shouldn't be watching. You know, there's something real easy to understand about um, um, sex. The S word, I went ahead and said it anyway. But there's something real easy about to understand about it. And we guarded our children. We did not let them watch movies that had sexual content. Why? Because when you watch a movie that has sexual content, it, 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 there's, a, there's a time in your life when you can all of a sudden stir up desires that if you didn't have something coming in your eye gate and you didn't hear things, you wouldn't stir up those desires too soon. It's so important as we're, that when our children are maturing that, that, they're, that we don't stir up a sexual desire in them before they're old enough to handle that, before they're old enough to make decisions. In fact, the longer you can prolong having a sexual desire stirred up in them, and that's by guarding their eyes and not letting them. You know, there's movies now that pass and I would watch because we're married and if the sexual desire gets stirred up we got something to do with it we can handle it but there, there was movies that we would watch just me and him that we would never have watched when our children were, are, were at home with them do y'all hear what I'm saying but it amazes me how many parents just let them watch any PG-13 and watch any movie and then wonder why they're going out and doing all sorts of things that they shouldn't do we got to guard them from those things and it means sometimes denying yourself things that wouldn't be really tremendously wrong for you to do but it's wrong when your kids are sitting there it's wrong for young children, but it might be okay. I'll tell you, singles, you singles, you don't need to be watching movies with sexual content. you got to stay away from them. It's going to just make something stir up. It's going to make you long for something you can't have. And so then you got to tell yourself no. you got to deal with that. No sense stirring it up, folks. You know, a pastor, and you say, well, it don't stir it up. Boy, it does too. I tell pastor, now he, we can, not bad movies. I'm not talking about bad movies. I'm talking about even romantic things and stuff. And I tell him, you know, <clears throat> if we want to watch a movie, which we do occasionally, not very often, we don't have a lot of time, but we do occasionally. Uh, you know, I, I, I explain to him, now if we'll watch a chick flick, uh, it's to your benefit. But if you want to get an old war movie going, it ain't going to change nothing, honey. You know, but if we want to watch something romantic, like one of the romantic movies that I really like is, I really like that movie with, uh, and I have this so I can watch it periodically, uh, is that Harrison Ford movie, Sabrina. I just think, I mean, I just cry and think that's the most romantic movie. that I. Did anybody ever seen that but me? Okay. And... <laughs> Nobody ever watched it. Oh, well, you ought to watch You watched it. Hallelujah. Well, I just cried. And then you've got mail. Oh, I just think that's the, you know, best thing. You know, just watch that movie and think, oh, it's so romantic. And, you know, he, like, wants to go check out, you know, war games or something. <laughs> war games don't do it. But, you know, there's a time and a place for everything. My point is 
stay in divine order. Now, Eric and his friends, they get together and they watch war movies. Good. That's all he can watch right now. He cannot watch anything else. Amen? There's a time when things can be in divine order, and then there's a time when things can be totally and completely out of divine order. Do y'all see what I'm saying and what I mean? And when you're single, there's a time for things. And when you're married, there's things you can do. When you are when you got little kids, you have to watch... Uh, then you have to watch... Uh, you have to start watching... Uh, yeah, Jimmy Neutron, and, and you have to you, you go into a whole new realm of movies that's not as much fun sometimes, but, you know, you, you get familiar. You know, uh, Wanda the other day told me, I was talking about Dora the Explorer. She said, I don't know who Dora the Explorer is. And I'm like, you, you just are missing out, you know. How many of you know Dora the Explorer? Oh, okay. Hallelujah. <laughs> Some of you just don't. Karen, do you know Dora? You don't know Dora? Oh, Hallelujah. <laughs> Well, you know, there's times and there's seasons and there's divine order. Amen? Turn to, oh no, I'm in 2 Corinthians. I didn't read it yet, did I? 2 Corinthians 6.14 Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So we're not to be unequally yoked because it's, it's out of divine order. Now this applies to business. This, we're not to be unequally yoked with people in business. We're not to go into business with unbelievers. You know, a lot of people want to say, well, it's an equal yoke. He's saved. But unless they believe like you believe exactly and have the same mentality towards giving and so forth, there's going to be strife. There's going to be a problem. There's going to be an unequal yoke. And so we stay in that divine order. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Turn to Proverbs chapter 31. I'm kind of, I can feel myself needing to adjust my path here. So um, let's see if this is the adjustment. Praise God. Go to sermon number two. Amen. Proverbs 31, 27. Thank you, Lord. Talking about the, uh, uh, the woman, the Proverbs 31 woman, the virtuous woman, it says, uh, she looketh well to the ways of her household. She looketh well to, look to the ways of her household. This actually means to peer into the distance, to observe, to keep the watch. The woman and the wife, she peers into the distance. She observes. She keeps the watch. Amen. Turn to Psalm 144, verse 12. We'll just look at several things. Hallelujah. Psalm 144, verse 12. Our sons and daughters, what are they to be like? It says that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth, that our daughters may be as cornerstones polished after the similitude of a palace. So what it's saying here is our children, even when they're small, are to be mature sons and polished daughters. That's what we're after. When we're raising children, we want mature sons and polished daughters. In other words, oh, I tell you what, don't you just hate um, to see a girl that doesn't have... Uh, Mm, no, doesn't know how to conduct herself. 
doesn't know how to, she's not polished. She doesn't know how to dress. She's showing things in her dress that she shouldn't be so showing. You know, our world dresses so seductively now. You're going to have to guard your daughter so much when you take them shopping. And you're going to have to keep the way narrow. And you're going to have to steer them just right so that they are dressed and they look polished and they don't look seductive even at a young age there it goes guarding that virtue again keeping that virtue amen keeping them polished and keeping our sons mature not letting our sons be silly not letting them be uh uh lazy i know i listened to a uh, somebody this summer, and I can't even think who it was, not somebody here, but somebody in this town. Oh, I know. I don't know who it was. No, not in this town. In another town, but some people we know. And they were talking about their son, who was a senior in high school, about him sleeping late in the morning and uh, in the summer, sleeping on 9, 30, 10 o'clock every morning. And I'm telling you, that's out of divine order. When you got you, uh, you're not going to have a mature son if you don't teach him how to work, and you don't teach. You know what's he going to do when he has to go to work? He has to get up. He needs to learn to work. He needs to learn to get up in the morning. My kids used to think I was. We were mean because they didn't get to sleep in. I mean, we got them up even in the summer. Now there were days that we set aside, like maybe once in a blue moon, we'd say, "Well, we're going to sleep late tomorrow." You know, and so we would have those special occasions, like I said, few and far between, because uh, we had a we have a work ethic at our house, and I still we don't sleep late. Pastor's an early riser, and I don't sleep late. Boy, I tell you, if I ever get eight o'clock, I think I've 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 had something. You know, I really got something. And uh, no, but getting that rising up early and teaching your sons. Now, there's certain things, like I said, son's gone, left home. We can do all sorts of things now that we don't have to set the example for anymore. But we had to teach them to be workers. We had to teach them to work hard. We had to help them find jobs when they needed jobs. I know the summer before when Colin was fixing to turn 16, and I knew he was going to turn 16 in June, and my dad had already given him an old pickup we called Yellow Dog. It was an old yellow pickup. And... uh <laughs> And uh, I thought, okay, I gotta, I'm going to keep this son pure. I want to keep him in check. I don't want him running up and down the road. And he's going to want to. And I started praying early that year, like in January. Lord, what am I going to do with him this summer? I need help. I need, I need something for him to do that keeps him occupied all summer. Because you know a kid, they get a new car. What do they want? Or a new car, but they get to drive for the first time. What is every kid going to want to do? And so... Uh, I know that spring, Myron came to the church and talked to us about how he was going to go to Cimarron, Colorado to YWAM and, and work at this camp where they train missionaries. And, and uh, so he was talking about how high school kids can go up there and just give their summer. And we just said, hmm, you want to take a little baggage along with you? And so we, you know, we just had unction from the Lord. So we talked to Colin and, and we didn't, we gave him a choice, but we kind of steered him in the way we thought he should go and you know and he, he was just uh, 16 years old or just turning 16 I think he turned 16 on one day got his driver's license and Myron picked him up the next day and took him to Cimarron Colorado kept him up there chopping wood getting him up at five in the morning uh, I mean hard labor you want to keep a young man out of trouble 
give them, yeah, Byron knows just the place. Uh, give them hard work to do. Give them something to release all that testosterone on, which is a log or something where they can hit a log over and over with an axe. And and uh, so for 10 weeks, for 10 weeks, now we, we had to go without seeing him. I think after six weeks, mom had stood all she could stand because he, he never had been away from home for very long. Maybe two weeks, I think he went to camp one time. And so... Uh, we had to make a trip up there and go see him and kiss his little brow and, and say goodbye again and left him again. And then at the end of the summer, or about 1st of August, Pastor went and got him and brought him home. And we had occupied him the whole summer. And it was the same with Eric when we moved. He was just getting to that age. Of, you know, he was getting into 8th grade or ninth grade, I think, yeah. And summer after 8th grade, and we just moved to Trustful. And we didn't know anybody. There's not going to be anything to do. There's just going to be an opportunity to be bored, to think on things you ought not to think on. You know, when kids are bored, they get into things. They think on things they ought not to think about. And uh, so uh, we prayed. We said, Lord, what can we do with him? And you know, it wasn't, it's not, he's my baby. Now, it was easier to send Colin because he's my rough, tough oldest. But this is my little baby, my little baby, Eric. And uh, you know what we did, though? We loaded him on an airplane, sent him to West Texas, and let Paul, Pop, Pop, not Paul, Pop, Michael's dad work him on the farm all summer. Get up early. Go check wells. You know, <laughs> Boy, if you ever, if you want somebody with a work ethic, Michael's dad's got a work ethic. And so we worked him all summer. And then the next, you know, we prayed. We said, Lord, you know, Colin needs a job. And I don't know, he got a job in a dry cleaner's. And he's working in the dry cleaning business. I'll tell you, he's done it all. And then we, we prayed, Lord, what's the next thing? And he got him a job uh, working at the John Deere house. And, you know, he's not making a lot of money, but he's, he's busy. He's occupied. He's not laying in the bed all summer, learning to be lazy. Learn, and, you know, this young boy that I'm talking about sure enough he's gotten in all sorts of things he shouldn't have got in you know fam, if you want your sons and daughters to grow up pure you're going to have to be on top of it you're going to have to be guarding them at all times you're going to have to be praying about every party they go to you're going to have to have guts to stand up and say no and go against all the other parents that are saying yes you're going to have to stand up and, and, and you're going to have to stay in divine order and find out what that order is. And it's different for every situation and every circumstance. Man, you need to be alert. I tell you, some of the worst things in the world are cousins. You want to get your kids in trouble, let them hang out with their cousins. You heard of kissing cousins, hadn't you? I'm telling you, cousins are dangerous. Why? Because you let your guard down because it's family. You let your guard down because it's family. And you better keep your guard up. You better stay on top of it. You, that's why you pray every day. That's why you get up in the morning and you pray. Because she looketh well to her household. She peers into the distance. She observes. She keeps the watch. She's watching very carefully. She sees the looks that people give her sons. She knows what's happening. You know, uh, one of the things you may not realize is because your kids, especially if they've got a call of God on their life, the anointing is attractive. It's The anointing is attractive. People are attracted to the anointing. That's why if you're, you guard your husband, you guard your wife, because we're anointed in this church. 
and your husband is attractive to other women because they're anointed. Your wife is attractive to other men because they're anointed. I know I got Pastor Avery, Sister Avery's. She writes a newsletter every month. It is so good. She is gifted to write this newsletter. Well, we got this this week right after I preached last Sunday night. It was so funny. I was just rolling over it. She's talking about a woman in their church that uh, got her eye on Pastor Avery and, and, and said this woman liked to give gifts to her and Pastor Avery. And so it was so funny. She said uh, that the woman gave him uh, a new suit uh, for Christmas and she gave her, what did she give her? Help me. A keychain. A keychain. And said it wasn't, it didn't even look like leather. Gave him a new suit and gave her a keychain. Said, um, <laughs> the next thing she did was he gave him a new set of luggage for Christmas or for her birthday or something and gave her, uh, what did she give her that time? I don't remember. But anyway, gave, I know. And then one time she gave him a shirt and tie and said, gave me the two, the, the, four pair of the hugest white panties you have ever seen. Said they were so huge. They were so big. Said uh, when, And when she said when he gave him that keychain, she said, I think she just wanted me to drive out of town. <laughs> she's wanting to get rid of me. She See, the anointing is attractive. And she talks, and she, or she's talking about how good their marriage is and how stable. But how we have to guard. Oh, we have to guard. We have to guard our sons. You know, I'm, my son here was so attractive to all the girls. I know behind us. And her and her mother wanted him so bad. The mother wanted him more than the girl did even. And the girl wanted him pretty bad. But the mother is after him so big, chasing him. And then, you know, we just had all, and, and so I'm praying, and I'm praying, and I'm praying, and I'm trying to keep them at bay. But this is a problem. These people are in our church, so you're trying to, and they really love us, they really like us, so they're not mean people, but I'm trying to push them away and hold them on too, hold them in the church and push them away from my son at the same time. I'm just a juggling, amen? Well, uh, and then, you know, uh, girls in high school would just be attracted to him. Not that he's not a good and attractive looking guy, but it was, this was beyond. This was because of the anointing. It was because of the anointing of his life. This was because of the call on his life. They wanted to spoil him. See, the devil wants to spoil anything that's pure, anything that's, anything that's, uh, right and righteous and divine and staying in divine order. If your children are virgins, the devil's trying to get it. He wants to get it, and he'll do anything he can to get it. And so you have to be careful. You have to guard. I know one time uh, this woman called the house, and uh, she was like a waitress. She was like, he was in high school, and she's like 26 or 27-year-old waitress, and she calls him at home. And I, so you got to be this bold mother I am. I said, well, we don't allow girls to call him, because I just felt led that time. I didn't, you know, sometimes you just, well, there, been, there were a lot of times when it was just a little high school girl, and I would tell him, do you want to handle this or do you want me to? Because I didn't let him call. And I had the reputation. I was the meanest woman and Sem meanest mom of Seminole High School. I'm proud of it. I hope they remember me up there. But anyway, so this lady, this one lady called, and I didn't feel led to just wait and say. So I said, uh, you know, I said, I said, we don't allow girls to call him. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. And she hung up. Well, come to find out, 
they had gone in his work when he was working for the John Deere house to the town next to us and they had stopped in a cafe to eat and uh, Colin the, the guys that worked at the John Deere house with him had written on a napkin his phone number and given it to the waitress. Now this is the story he tells me about how this waitress <laughs> got his phone number. Hallelujah. But anyway, I, cl I cleaned her plow, y'all. I got rid of her. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So mature sons and polished daughters. Amen. Teaching them how to dress. Teaching them how to act. You know, it's so important just to teach them to say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and yes, sir, and no, sir. It'll just take them so far in life. Amen. Just if they know how to talk to adults, will just take them so far in, in, in life if they're um, mature and responsible. Now, it's so important that you start as young as possible. The later you start, the harder it's going to be. The younger that you start, the easier it's going to be. And this polished daughters, it's like a palace. She's like a palace. She's not a mud hut. She's not an old rough log cabin. I hate to see an old rough woman. Don't you? I hate to see it. I hate to see a woman driving down the road smoking a cigarette. I hate... You know, I just... You know... I because where's a, women are supposed to be polished. They're supposed to be pretty. And now I don't. I like bold women. Don't get me wrong. I like them a little salty. Yeah. Y'all want me to do that again? <laughs> anyway, anyway, I like women that are bold, and and I like women that are a little salty. But man, I don't like them when they're rough and you know, and they oh hallelujah. We ought to be women. And we ought to teach our girls to be women. Amen. And we ought to teach our boys to be men and to be tough. You know, Colin is trying to teach Carter to be tough. So how's he doing it? By being tough and rough with him. If you treat him real easy and gentle, he's going to be real easy and gentle. No, daddies, you're going to have to get in the floor and you're going to have to not hurt him, but you're going to have to wrestle you're going to have to wrestle a little. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Not, but a woman's not supposed to be rough like an old log cam. She's to be a palace. Smooth and polished. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, glory to God. Staying in divine order. You know, one thing single parents, I don't know if we even have any single parents in here or not. I don't even think we do. But single parents are just as responsible. We'll say it for the benefit of the tape. Just because something's missing, you just believe God and you find a way. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. I am. I'm, I'm blessed. You know, when it comes to parenting, when you don't know how to do something, you're responsible to find out how to. God knows everything, and He knows how to get to your children. He knows how for you to raise your children. And you know, I know you have to raise each child differently. I know Eric and Colin were different as night and day in their temperament. They were different. They were completely different temperamentally. And you have to, you have to react to each one's different. I'll just tell you honestly, Colin needed a lot more spankings than Eric did. He's just a little, he's like his mom, he's a little harder headed, you know, and he's paying for his raising. Carter is strong willed, 
but kids have strong will. Some of them. Colin had a very strong will. He was that one that, I mean, he's not going to admit. He won't admit to this day that he peeled that wallpaper up in that bedroom on that wall. <laughs> he's hanging on, and he still won't admit it. But, you know, he, there was nobody else in that bedroom. He, we, he was an only child at that point. Amen. So each child is different. And you are responsible to find out how to do it. How to, boy, it's going, let me tell you something. Don't have babies unless you want to work hard. It is the hardest work training up a child that you will ever do. It is. It is hard work. And you know what? It don't ever end. Once you get them, you got them. I know Granny Hixie, she died. She was 80, 80, I think, 82 maybe. She is still praying for her kids, still laboring over them in prayer. You do get to move them out of the house, but you know what? You're still laboring over them in prayer. You're going to be laboring over them in prayer forever. So, you know... <clears throat> Well, I know one, I have a friend, uh, Roxanne Swan, and uh, she um, had uh, four kids, right? Four. They have four now. She had four, and after she had the fourth one, she's like, I don't know. I think I don't know if I want another one. I don't know if I do. You know, she was like that. I'm like, there's no question. I don't, I, I don't have to pray over these things. But she didn't know. She And her mother said to her, she said, you got to ask yourself, do you want a baby or do you want to raise a child? You know, there's a world of difference in that little sweet baby than raising a child. Because they don't stay that little sweet baby very long. So you ask yourself that. Do I want a baby or do I want to raise a child? Well, when she asked herself if she wanted to raise number five, she said, no, <clears throat> I want a baby, but I don't want to raise a child. And you've got to ask yourself that, don't you? Amen. Because you're going to answer for that child. You're going to answer to God, but you're going to be answering the rest of your life for that child. Um, <clears throat> staying in divine order in the house. Don't allow strife, contention, and discord in your home. Don't let your children fight. Don't let your children fight. I know I was raised up. I, raised up, I was the only child. And, uh, but my parents had friends, Ricky and, jo and they, uh, they had Willie and Dean Holder, and they had two kids, John L. and Ricky. John L. was my age, and Ricky was a year older. Oh, Lord, they fought. Oh, Jesus, they fought. That family's been out of divine order the whole time. But, I mean, I have seen Ricky grab her by the hair of, John L. by the hair of the head. I, we went to their house one day, and they had a beach towel hanging on the wall. And I said, what's that? And he said, they said, that's where Ricky threw John L. through the wall. Family, Christian homes ought not to be like that. And you know, you can't even allow your children to be any, any, strife, 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 bicker, 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 sarcasm. Sarcasm is evil. Sar you know that. And, and you know, if you let them watch some of these TV shows, you know the symptoms, sim symptoms, the Simpsons. <laughs> you know, those. I had never watched the Simpsons much, but I heard enough to know those, those people don't, talk right to each other they're full of sarcasm they're full of uh, uh, disrespect and man you're going to reap a harvest if you let kids watch things like that evil looks not letting your kids give dirty looks amen not letting your children did you know it's out of divine order for your children to talk back to you you're letting them get out of divine order. You're letting them get out of the will of God when you let them talk back. I know my mom didn't understand the spiritual side of this, but I know she understood kids weren't supposed to talk back. 
She had a big remedy for it. She put her hand on your face if you talked back to her and sassed her. You know, I'm not recommending that you do that, but there is a godly answer to not letting them sass you. And there reaches an age. I know for me it was seventh grade. I was like rocking along the sweetest little child till I got seventh grade. And then I wanted to sass my mom and I wanted to talk back. I don't know, it might be earlier than that now. Uh, uh, snide remarks, cattiness. Don't let your little girls be catty with their friends. Don't don't let them be. I I'm mad at her. I hate her. I don't like her. I don't want to play with her. I want to sit. That's how little girls are. They're catty. Don't let your little girl be that. Let make her be a lover. Make her be nice to everybody. Amen. Y'all hear me? You got to protect your children um, and keep them in divine order through the high school years. And one of the hardest things to do is going to be you're going to have to pray about their sports involvement. There's so much wickedness in the locker room. We could have every man get up here and testify what's so ungodly that happens in the locker room. Uh, I can't. I just know about it. I don't know personally, but those are things that you've got to find a way to guard your children from. And um, you, each parent, it's different. You've got to find the will of God for that child. One thing we should never do, though, is push our child into doing something that's our dream instead of their dream. Amen? <clears throat> don't, let it, don't let them cut each other down. One of the, well, the, You know how you can break this habit in your children is by making them repent. They have to repent to each other. If you will make them repent, not just paddle them, not just tell them no, but make them repent. When you paddle your children, you give them a spanking, you need to make them repent to God for whatever they did. You've got to tell, you tell them how. Don't just say, I found out this doesn't work. Come on, my own kids. Don't just say, now I'm going to leave the room. And you talk to God about it and you repent. Yeah, right. They're going to sit there and play with their little hot wheel is what they're going to do. They're not going to do no repenting. Amen. Hallelujah. So you pray with them. You pray with them. You make them tell, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I uh, bit my sister or whatever they did. You know? <laughs> I'm sorry. Forgive me, Lord. Get them cleansed from the unrighteousness of it. Amen. Then make them go tell their sister that they're sorry. Amen. Hallelujah. This is work. I'm telling you, this makes me tired. Just, whew, I'm so glad my kids are. Because, you know, sometimes, and with certain kids, it's not like, well, we get to do this once a month. Well, sometimes we do it three and four and five and six times a day with one child. And you think, will this child ever grow up? Yeah, they will. Uh, um, godly homes are full of forgiveness. And it is out of divine order to do something wrong and not admit it. I think husbands, one of the biggest things they face is humbling themselves to say, I was wrong, honey. I'm sorry, honey. Why is that so hard for husbands? We don't know. <laughs> but you need to do it to stay in divine order. Amen? And if you acted naughty and ugly and said bad words and got over in the flesh in front of your children, then you know what? If you're going to make them walk uprightly, you're going to have to walk uprightly in front of them, and you're going to have to go repent to them. And say, Mama got in the flesh. Or Mama sinned. Mama did something wrong. 
Jesus doesn't like when mama does that. Mama's sorry. Mama's asked Jesus to forgive her. You know, however old the child is, explain it on whatever level they're on. If it's a little child, mama, mama's going to... Now, you don't have... If you, if, don't repent for spaking them righteously. Don't repent for spanking them righteously. Just because your heart gets... You know, sometimes you'll spank a kid, and you know, and they needed it, and they were supposed to have it, and then they do something so sweet. They come up and say, I love you, Mama, or something. And you just want to melt and say, oh, I'm sorry, Mama didn't. You know, don't repent for spanking them when you did it righteously. But when you mess up, you do repent. Amen? Hallelujah. Boy, I tell you, I'm all over the world. <laughs> um, you know, you can't get forgiven by your heavenly Father without repenting. You can't get forgiven without repenting. I know a lot of times we just want to brush things under the rug. We don't want to deal with things. We ought to deal with everything. We ought to be quick to deal with things in our lives, not letting things grow. Marriages, don't let, not letting things grow. The, you know, the Bible says not to let the sun go down upon your wrath. That means to deal with it. Deal with it before you go to bed. I know Pastor and I sometimes have had to stay up a lot later than we intended to just to deal with something before we went to bed. I know somebody in here told me, said, uh, we, got, we know how to get around that. What did they say? We don't start the fight till after dark or something. I can't remember. Anyway, hallelujah. But back to the issue. Amen. Deal with it before you go to bed. Well, we're talking about our homes and staying in divine order. Hallelujah. I feel like just closing the Bible saying, you have any questions? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Huh? Open it, yeah, open it up for questions. Uh, um, <clears throat> glory to God. I got lots of notes on that. One of the things that keeps a home in divine order is communication. You need to do a lot of communicating, a lot of talking. You need to have set times. Don't get your lives so busy that husbands and you and your wives don't have time to talk. You need to have a time to sit down and talk and let her talk about the day and let you talk about the day and to talk out the things about the children. And uh, Pastor and I never have had a communication problem. I think that's one of the reasons we've had a good, good marriage is because we've always talked about everything. We've always talked it out till we solved it. Amen. I, I, I'm always amazed at, at couples that don't talk. But we need to be good communicators, and if we're not, we need to cultivate that. We need to talk. And you know you've got to talk about more than just the kids, too. You've got to talk about you and her and him and you and, and talk about those things. Um, uh, there need to be times that you have family. If you have children, you should have family... Uh, like powwows or, or a, what is that word I'm looking for? Like a council, family council meeting, where you bring the family and all the kids together and there's a time when, when kids are free to state what they think and what they, you know, what's on their heart and talk about things and discuss things. Family discussion times where you're not always just giving orders. You take these times and you teach them, you use it to teach them a principle. Um, <clears throat> every member in the family is to be treated equally. Differently sometimes because of personalities, but equal. You can't have favorites, family. 
You can't have favorite children. I don't have favorites. I love Kyle and I love Eric. You can't have favorite grandchildren. Amen? you got to love them all. And you know the love of God's a shed abroad in your heart, and you got enough love for everyone. Now, another thing, don't lie to each other in marriage. Never tell a lie to each other. Don't lie to your children. Don't lie to anybody. Ever. We're Christians. We ought not ever lie to anybody, should we? Never. I mean, there's things people could ask you that you can't tell. If somebody walks up to you and says, how much money do you make? And you don't want to tell them? Don't lie. Say, I don't want to tell you. <laughs> yeah, you can say, it's none of your business. <laughs> Hallelujah. Carter told me the other night, we watched a movie and somebody said, shut up. He said, oh, that's a bad word. Don't say shut up to your, and he went, I mean, this took about 15 minutes. Don't say shut up to your brother. Don't say shut up to your sister. Don't say up to your mama. To your, don't say shut up to your daddy. Don't say shut up to your nanny. Don't say shut up to your pa. Don't say shut up to your grandma. Don't say shut up to your grandpa. You know, he's got that. He's got a grandma and a grandpa up in the north. <laughs> Hallelujah. So don't say shut up. Amen. You know, don't lie to your kids. Hallelujah. If you can't tell the truth, don't tell anything. Hallelujah. Staying in divine order. Never allow the family, your family members to put you into a compromising position with your Let them know there are no secrets between you and your spouse. If mama says, I'm going to tell you this, but don't tell Michael, I say, don't tell me anything you don't want me to tell Michael. That's what I would say to her. I've had to say it before. And I don't ever say that to you. Don't tell anybody. You know, I have told people in the church, you can tell your husband, but don't tell anybody else. <laughs> Hallelujah. Don't tell, your, don't tell your children this. There's things that your children shouldn't know. Hallelujah. Um, always honor your spouse. Don't get in the middle. Don't let your kids tell you something to keep from your spouse. Don't let your kids tell you, don't tell daddy. Did anybody ever have that problem? Don't let your kids say, don't tell mama. They will, they'll try that. Spouses don't have secrets. It's out of divine order to have a secret from your spouse. Secrets between spouses are trust busters. Praise God, we're staying in divine order, aren't we? I think we ought to pray tonight about any area that would not be in divine order in our homes, in our businesses, and just in our life, in our ministries, anything where we're out of divine order. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. <clears throat> we praise you, Jesus. We ask you to correct us, Lord, where we're wrong. Thank you, Father, that you're perfecting that which concerns us. Thank you, Lord, that you're putting us into the order of the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're putting us into a path of blessing by causing us to be in divine order in our homes. Clear up all that's wrong in our homes. Oh, Father, I pray every lie that's been told between spouses in this place, that that would be rectified tonight. And that would be cleared up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I, I just pray that we not take our counsel from the world and their system. But we'd always be looking to your system. And Father, I thank you for the anointing to parent upon all of these parents here. The anointing to parent in the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, we must have much help in this day we live in. We must have much guidance by the Holy Ghost. 
We must have much insight. You've got to show us things to come that we can be prepared for the future. Father, we ask you to show these parents what schools to have their children in. Father, there's some of these children that are to be in, pub, in, in public school, but Father, there's some of these children that are to be in Christian schools. And there's some of these children that are probably, God, uh, uh, supposed to be homeschooled. And Lord, you know each child. You know each personality of each child. You know the weaknesses of each child. And you know the strengths of each child. And Lord, there's some children that can just go through public school with flying colors. And there's some that cannot take the pressure. Lord, guide each parent in here. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, we thank you, Lord, for that wisdom. And Father, that, oh God, there's so much media coming towards our children. So many movie choices, so many game choices. Lord, so many choices that are flooding our children's minds and lives. Oh, Father, help us to be wise parents.